Hello. Thank you for joining us for a new episode of the Rodolfo Rivas Project. I have been looking forward to this episode for quite some time. My guest today is Dr. William Mutonga, the former Chief Justice of Kenya. I was hoping to talk to him about the law. However, we talk about way bigger things than the law. We talk about how Kenya has been developing for the last few years and what's the place of Kenya in the world. Our conversation also touches upon many other topics. I hope you find it interesting. Take it away. Hello, and thank you for joining us in the Rivas the Rodolfo Rivas Project. I'm really happy uh, because today it's a really special episode. I'm here with uh, Dr. Willy Mutonga, the former Chief Justice of Kenya. I've heard a lot about him, but I think it's really good that you hear from him directly, and he tells us a bit about his life and his career. How are you today, Dr. I'm, Willy? I'm, I'm great, Rudolf. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for hosting me in this project. I uh, really look forward to our conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, let's start from the beginning. Uh, you are originally from Kitui. Yes. Correct? Yeah. Kitui. I was born uh, in Kitui 71 years ago, uh, uh, and it's what is called Kitui Central. So my home is very, very, very close to Kitui, where, of course, you know Kitui is. Yeah. How was life growing up there back then? Uh, it's. I grew up under the colonial system, okay. so uh, I became very uh, aware of forced labor. Yes. I became aware of the colonial apartheid system, even within a small town, you know, like Ketui, they were, the Europeans were in their own place, the, the Asians were in their own place, and the Africans in their own place, particularly in the, um, in the town itself. And uh, the white, white-only areas were not accessible to a lot of us unless your father worked there as a cook or as a guard. So uh, um, that was part of the colonial legacy. Of course, uh, I also saw a lot of discrimination in education because okay. schools were also segregated. So were the exams until 1961. So the whites would had their own Kenya uh, preliminary exam, the Asians had their own, and the Africans had their own. The Asians also? Yes, or? yeah, the different different, different uh, exams. The schools were segregated, but for us in Kitui town, or in Kitui district, because it was one of those so-called native reserves, the, our the our schools were basically for black kids. Okay. The Arabs and the Asians in Kitui took their kids to Nairobi or Mombasa to to join in the Asian schools okay. or the Arab schools. Um, so education was also you know there was segregation, uh, but in my community. You you know life was was uh, you know very very satisfactory as growing up as a kid the 
the rich people took care of the poor people. Uh, the community uh, worked as a unit yes. in terms of water, in terms of grazing rights. And uh, whenever people were sick, the community came together. So it was very, very cohesive. It's not like now, where individual individualism has crept into the uh, the, the community. But uh, <coughs> well, just an observation mm. yeah. on that point, mm. Uh, mm. because I still maybe it's a bit less now, mm. but I still think that there's a sense of community mm -hmm. in the whole sub-Saharan Africa. I, I do notice. Mm. I mean, comparing it to other mm. other countries, for example, Europe. I don't really get the sense of community. Mm. It's pretty individualistic. It's you, mm -hmm. and sometimes even not your your family, mm. the, your family. But here, I do sense that, uh, and it's still there up to this day. Yeah, it's, it's still there. We still have a strong family ties. We still have a, a strong extended family ties. We we still have. Um, Uh, our own communities that some in some cases you still have clans where which bring you know uh, you know people people together but that's where people have land for example uh, because if you don't have land uh, and you're landless and you know poor mm. uh, The community these days is not taking care of. Yes. Uh, it's poor. Yes. Uh, but you still get that you are right. You, the, the, the people are older taken care of. You won't find uh, in this country homeless people, you yeah. know, in streets or whatever. Uh, there is still uh, that communitarian value of taking care of the old and the sick. <clears throat> um, But having said that, um, what is really a problem in in um, in Africa and I guess in third world Mexico wherever is uh, the kind of leadership we have uh, that, in terms of politics, <coughs> creates inequalities. Yes. Uh, rather than uh, create an economic social and cultural uh, context where there is less uh, inequality and where resources are equitably distributed. And in Kenya, this has been a struggle until 2010 when the Constitution stated very clearly that uh, resources have to be equitably yeah. distributed. And that has restored some hope in terms of the counties, like a tree county, which is a very poor county, uh, where the county now gets some money for development for the center. And um, uh, the communities have begun to imagine that things could, you know, could be better. But, you know, growing up in Ketui, the communities were really, really, really uh, fundamental in terms of feeding us, in terms of disciplining us, Uh, those of us who did well in school, my father was a tailor, so he paid fees to some extent, but the communities took over. Yeah. So that uh, I grew up uh, very, very aware that I was uh, a child of the community because of the way I was treated by everybody in the uh, in the community. 
And uh, when I went to secondary school, the community helped. When I went to Strathmore, I won a scholarship, so uh, the community didn't have to pay. Uh, University of Dar es Salaam, where I read my law, the government, the Kenyan government paid everything. So I know something about education being a public good, where the son, sons and daughters and the daughters and sons of the poor and the rich who are They're bright together. can, you know, um, you know, can actually compete and change uh, their economic situation and also change the economic situation of their communities and uh, their families. So you think that is something similar to what was known, or I don't know if it's still known, the American dream, that if you mm -hmm. apply yourself, you are dedicated, you study, you work hard, mm -hmm. you can, there's a bit of social mobility. Mm -hmm. it's, is that a... It's a, um, the whole issue of independence, for example, from colonialism, gave that dream uh, to a lot of us, that if you studied and uh, you got a degree, you, there were jobs available because the British were leaving uh, this country. So the 60s and 70s, uh, it was a period where what you might call the African middle class yes. grew up very rapidly. People who had finished uh, secondary school got jobs, you know, immediately they left school and they were paid uh, good salaries because now uh, colonialism has, had ended, segregation in or discrimination in pays, payments because uh, the whites got paid much more for doing the same jobs as you know as everybody else um so so that had changed and um, um within the first decade of the 60s there was that dream and people could see it they could see somebody uh, leave school and uh, after two months they they come back to the village driving a car <laughs> you know a japanese car and, and uh, this inspires others. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you come to Nairobi, and they uh, they invite you to the their house. You see, they've got a house. They've got a television, and a fridge, and radio. You know all those trappings of uh, you know middle classes, basically. Uh, not very rich, not very poor. You are in the middle, yeah. And you are comfortable, and you have resources that you can use to, you know, to build a house for your parents, as I did, or pay school fees for your siblings, as I did. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so, so there was, yeah, there was that post-colonial dream. Uh, Do you think that that still exists uh, now? It's, uh, it's become a nightmare. <laughs> 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 it's no dream anymore, because what has happened is... Uh, um, we have privatized the education system, you know, there's issues of uh, the right to food, health, all these problems, simply because the resources are either stolen by the ruling elites, elites wasted, uh, a lot of corruption, you know, we uh, uh, this country is almost bankrupt because of the uh, a national debt 
that is being incurred all the time, either from the Chinese or from the West, World Bank, IMF, and so forth. So, so the dream that was there in the the, the first decade of of uh, independence is, has become a nightmare. You know, education is privatized. If you don't have money, you can't. You, your kids go to schools which are not schools at all. You know, because nobody cares about uh, what the kids are doing and so forth. Then smart people get to university. The state is not paying uh, for their fees. It's happened to us. Uh, and then when you finish, there are no jobs. Yeah. Now, mm. even if you have a degree, there's no job guaranteed yes. waiting for you. Yeah, yeah. And, the, you know, jobs for a lot of people, for everybody... Our jobs are uh, a great reflection of uh, our human dignity. Yes. If you don't have it, you you are either hustling or you are begging. You cannot make ends meet. You cannot dress yourself. You cannot. Uh, you don't have health cover and so forth. And you know what used to be called warfare capitalism. Uh, or social democracy in Europe and so forth. It was uh, a very serious mitigation of inequalities among the people. And that's what happens in the UK after the, uh, you know, the Second World War. There is what is called welfare capitalism from 45 to 74. And, uh, um, you know, the, of course, socialism was also being tried in Soviet Union and other countries. But the, the, the dominant message here was that the status quo was not sustainable and not, not uh, equitable. Mm. And that it was important to take care of people who didn't have jobs, people who, who are sick, and uh, subsidies in transport, okay, all manner of things. Uh, to bring about uh, stability, and that's that's that that is very 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 important. Now the struggles in this country that we uh, we are engaged in it is basically saying, at least start the mitigation. You cannot have uh, in in the case of Kenya eight thousand three hundred rich people who, in terms of assets and wealth. Their wealth and assets equal the wealth of the rest of us, the 51 million. That's crazy. Yes. And you have that in America and other places. And it's, that's why Africa is always has these uprisings. Um, Sudan, you know, people didn't get bread. And then every, you know, hell breaks loose. Yeah. Uh, so, so I think it's basically the issue of... Um, politics. Yes. Uh, and now, as you know, the world is really engaged in thinking about that issue. Yes. Because you had the socialists and the communists who turned out to have been also uh, a group of ruling uh, oligarchs yes. who took everything. And when the Soviet Union collapsed, you know, a lot of them took the money, there was nationalization and so forth. Um, and then, of course, the capitalist system or neoliberalism, as we call it, in 2007, there was that crash. Yes. 
So we have a situation in the world where, in my view, we have to think of <coughs> what I call a, a just, equitable, uh, peaceful, uh, meaning non-militaristic, non-violent, ecologically safe, mm. okay, um, and prosperous society. Okay, we, we might want to, to find out whether it's a socialist society or what kind of society it is, social democratic or socialist. For me, that's an issue that can be debated. But what I'm sure of is that the world uh, risks explosion or implosion unless it doesn't, uh, unless it changes. It, it has to change, whether it's, we're talking about uh, climate change, whether we're talking about inequalities, whether we're talking uh, about uh, unemployment, uh, the exploitation of the north, uh, of the no uh, exploitation of the south by the north. Yes. All those issues now have actually become very, very, very clear. Yeah, very clear to all these countries that... Uh, there is a relationship between those people who rule us and their masters out there yeah. and the multinationals and uh, how, you know, the resources from Africa, for example, uh, don't help, you know, Africans and so forth. These, these issues are becoming now topical. <clears throat> but I mean, the main question is uh, what paradigm, you know, what... what, 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 what uh, uh, do you start with? And my view has always been, <clears throat> well, there was the social democratic paradigm which was mitigating. Yes. And it can be used as a basis of finding out what is a just, you know, equitable and uh, uh, non-violent, non-militaristic uh, and a prosperous uh, society. And that question, in my view, is a question for all of us, not just Africans. But even because uh, if I mm -hmm. may, uh, yeah. I mean, the reality that you are mm -hmm. uh, describing right now seems mm -hmm. pretty familiar mm -hmm. to what's going on everywhere in the world. Yes. Perhaps uh, mm -hmm. there are some issues that are specific to mm -hmm. Eastern Africa or yeah. Sub-Saharan Africa, mm -hmm. but what you are describing, the rich elite uh, owning mm -hmm. most of the riches yeah. the, of the society mm -hmm. and the inequality and mm -hmm. uh, for example just a simple uh, example to illustrate mm -hmm. it, it was very similar what you described to what happened in Mexico mm -hmm. everyone was guaranteed a job if they go to university and they get a degree mm -hmm. and everyone was expected to do better than their mm -hmm. their parents. Mm -hmm. Their parents, right. and, and everyone kept doing better, mm -hmm. and the whole society could bring the people up. Yes. But now it seems that, at least I see it in my case, I think mm -hmm. we're the first generation where that's not the case. Mm -hmm. We are mm -hmm. actually mm -hmm. a bit worse off than our parents were. Yeah. And yeah. I see that globally. It's not only a phenomenon exclusive to Latin mm -hmm. America. It's, it's, it's global, and that's why the the world is, if the world is going to change, it's the citizens of the world. Because even these systems keep us apart, okay? They, they basically blame us for the poverty, uh, and uh, they blame us for the our leadership, which is actually 
basically they are running dogs yeah. um, when they steal from us they go and the university in their countries buy flats or do all manner of things mm-hmm. and of course uh, these countries know the greatest money launderers in the world today are the americans and the british mm-hmm. not the panama people or dubai or whatever those are small players even switzerland is a small player mm-hmm. so the they they know uh, that the people who steal from mexico you know the resources of the mexican people kenyan people african people they know where that money is kept it's kept in all these places and um, so so this is why i say it's the citizens of the world yeah. who are going to realize that when there is a problem in mexico it's a kenyan problem Okay. That is what I was going to say. Yeah. Because these challenges seem that they go beyond borders. It's not a challenge exclusive to you are right. the Kenyan people. So no. yeah. how the world right now is going through a period where mm-hmm. people are looking inwards yes. to their own countries mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. forget about the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. You are saying that we, and I agree, that mm-hmm. we should look beyond our borders. Yeah. But that doesn't so. seem to be... Mm-hmm. that the tendency that we're going in yeah it's it's um it's it's what you're raising is fundamentally a political question and if you if you take a you, if you take africa for example there is a serious debate about resurrecting african unity yeah okay african unity is an ideology for liberating africa Okay, they, and it's, it's it's being discussed by intellectuals. It's being discussed by uh, uh, social movements, and that's you know Africa. And it's not just uh, the Africans. We know there are Africans in the diaspora. You know they are in Caribbean, they are in Brazil, there are other places, Europe, and whatnot. So the discussion is is that the African people, wherever they are, there is need. You know for for unity and what is this unity for is for liberating africa because africa is still colonized the british never left the europeans never left the french or whoever and the the the, the discussions are, are fairly radical because they are basically saying if we have african unity then we will secure our interests meaning the african resources because it's is africa is the richest you know uh, mm-hmm. continent mm-hmm. in in resources uh whether it's minerals whether it's uh, you know uh, very fertile lands and and so forth but the leadership in africa uh, there is i don't even know of one leader in africa who is thinking that way after gaddafi died mm-hmm. who there is now evidence uh, uh, very clearly that he was thinking of african unity in terms of an african currency um and um, uh, the issue of an african parliament you know with a president so that is a political <coughs> uh federation just like yeah. the united states of 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 america so he was thinking of those uh, um reforms and they were based on that argument 
that unless Africa is united, the resources will not be secure. Mm -hmm. And that they will always be divided. Because <clears throat> this is what the Chinese have, do have done very well. They, they negotiate with individual countries, okay? And so they get the best out of, you know, their deals. Just imagine if Africa was united. And they basically say, if we are going to have investments, this is our standard form contract that we use to negotiate with the, the Swiss, the, uh, the Indians, you know, the Chinese, if the Mexicans come, um, Europeans, whoever. Uh, and, and if that standard form contract is used by every country in Africa, obviously it will have an impact because, the, you, you know, African countries are not going to be, um, um, what is it, uh, the, 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 the African countries are not going to be, um, uh, what's, what's the word here, um, African unity is, is, will guarantee that African countries don't act individually, you know, you know, in these matters. But our leaders go to uh, Addis Ababa in Ethiopia. They are not discussing these issues. They pay lip service to it. And uh, that has become a, a real problem. It's become a problem uh, that reminds me of, a, you know, a joke I had about your country. <laughs> it was told in... Um, Somebody was telling me that joke in Guatemala. And he said, uh, your president, uh, Koda, an urgent you know, uh, press conference, addressing all of you uh, uh, via you know, television. And he told the Mexicans, uh, have good news and bad news. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> the good news is that all debts have been forgiven, all of them. But the bad news is we have 48 hours to leave Mexico. <laughs> it's not a country anymore. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's a joke, but it's, it's, a, it's, it's a narrative about uh, neocolonization. It's a narrative about foreign domination, uh, foreign exploitation and oppression. And uh, the fact that uh, you know, Latin America, South America, Africans have been fighting these forces for a long time. We, we, we are now going to be fighting imperialism of the West and East. Yeah. Uh, because uh, that, that is what I see, you know, uh, clearly happening. And the only way uh, global citizens will have to fight, that, uh, to, to fight this a phenomenon and make sure that you know uh, the planet is not destroyed it's, it's, it's the people of the world you know to deal with these issues <clears throat> so that even the Americans themselves and the Chinese people are, are you, you know you are united with the rest of the global citizens uh, to fight this and uh, in the case of Kenya for example when I talk to young people I tell them that they've got to <clears throat> have social movements that uh, avoid divisions in terms of gender, generation, ethnicity, race, etc., etc. And they, they, they then have solidarities with the East African, you know, uh, social movements as well, or even political parties. 
and then from East Africa is Africa. Yeah. And from Africa, there are social democratic parties in Latin America, in everywhere. Uh, even in your own country, I was, I was studying this stuff by the Zapatistas. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the about their education. And, and so there are a lot of great stories happening where, uh, you know, Kenyans, young people can go to Mexico and see how these guys are, come, are doing with their education and their, their own vision and whatnot. You might call them islands of socialism, or island, but they are obviously islands of transformation, alternative thinking about how the world um, can change. The World Social Forum, unfortunately, I don't know what happened to it. It used to be another forum where this thinking took place. But uh, Port Alagre and other places, yeah. But this, uh, mm. so what you're saying a bit more mm -hmm. that uh, society itself should take a bit more active role because sometimes uh, the politics do not allow mm -hmm. these changes to happen. Mm -hmm. But how can you then formalize Mm -hmm. Because the movements are there, maybe they're not as mm -hmm. uh, working together as mm -hmm. they should, but they're there. Mm -hmm. But how can this then turn into mm -hmm. actual change that it's implemented in laws? In yeah. yeah. In, in uh, a lot of uh, countries in Africa and also in Latin and South America, you have very progressive constitutions that have been uh, enacted as uh, part of serious struggles you know, in those countries. I found the Colombian constitution very progressive, the Brazilian one, Colum uh, uh, even Venezuelan one, Bolivian one. Uh, they are all what I would call transformative constitutions in the sense that they say the status quo is, is unsustainable, is unacceptable. So we've got to start changing it. And they, they look at even the way politics is organized. Uh, look at issues of leadership, issues of political parties, issues of corruption, and everything else. So in terms of vision, these constitutions have a very, I would say, progressive vision for, you know, for transformation. But getting them implemented is a struggle. Yeah. You know, that's when you get the military coming in, you get uh, the, uh, the ruling groups you know, resisting, and that's where the citizens come in, because I think social movements are the ones that give birth to political parties. And the political parties are important because they organize to capture political power. And unless you have political power, you cannot talk about equitable distribution of resources. Yeah. So you need uh, leaders who basically say this status quo has to be changed, you know. And then you deal with corruption. You uh, deal with issue of resources so that they are not wasted. And then you deal with foreign interests as well in terms of <clears throat> national pride. Or basically saying we cannot sign, sign agreements that we haven't, you know, you know, looked at. But if Mexico does that and nobody else is doing it in your continent, it becomes difficult. Yeah. That's why the unity of... <clears throat> the these countries, the Latin American countries, the uh, South American countries, the African countries, uh, is so critical, so that it gives us a chance to ne negotiate on a just world. Yeah. 
And uh, this, is, this is why I think um, global solidarities will become very, very important, where what, whatever is happening in Mexico or Venezuela... Should feel like it's happening. Yeah, yeah, because uh, there are all these things happening in Sudan. South, uh, South, uh, Sudan was happening. And you talk to Kenyans, they are on social media, it's like they don't know... Yeah. What, what happened? And it's right next door. It's right next door, mm. you know. And But there are a few people who are saying, you know, we've got to support the courage of the women of South Sudan, I mean of Sudan in this uprising. Mm. And then what lessons, you know, do we learn from it? Because it seems the military is still in, in power. I, I think that what, what you're saying, mm. Well, mm. it mm. makes me think a lot about the European Union, yeah. which they were fighting between them for many centuries mm -hmm. and then they united and I think that if anything that's the the greatest success of the European Union that it there's no more uh, mm -hmm. fighting between them at least not uh, mm -hmm. armed conflicts right but now they're going through mm -hmm. some difficult periods yeah, yeah. Uh, how could Africa like learn from mm. those mistakes and maybe build something because there's a lot of similarities. I mean, there's mm -hmm. not all uh, African countries are the same. There's some that are more developed, some that are less mm -hmm. developed. Mm -hmm. But that's also the case in Europe. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of parallels. Mm -hmm. uh, Europe also has a lot of natural resources, like you mm -hmm. pointed out. Mm -hmm. uh, so what lessons could could they take away from what's happening right now in the European Union? Mm -hmm. There's also other projects, but I think the most significant maybe is the European Union. Yeah, the, you write about the European Union, and now that is also captures some of the countries that were in the uh, uh, USSR, right? Yeah. Um, quite a number of them have joined the U European Union, and you're also very right that... Uh, they are not equal. The countries are not equal. Uh, European Union, if you take out the the American presence, is dominated by the, by Germany, yeah. which is uh, historically has been the the largest nationalist group in Europe. And when you look at the wars, when you look at everything, uh, they have dominated Europe for quite a while. So there are these inequalities. They, but say, they say that this European, uh, Germany is basically carrying the European Union on its back. Who would be the, the African equivalent? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think, you know, the, the, the Germans are not, not carrying. <laughs> the, you, you know, that's, that, that is a euphemism for their own domination of of, of uh, Europe, in my view, um, but what what happens in Europe, like the country where you live, which is uh, Switzerland, and I've been to Davos, I've been to Solothurn and uh, Geneva. Um, when you look at your politics and the the, the way successions take place, the, you know the economics, and you. Uh, you see how great your, you know, uh, railway system is and whatnot, and even the way Switzerland treats immigrants. Okay, there was a time I used to tell people that the best place you should 
you know, be imprisoned in is Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> so it, they, it's true, but uh, let me tell mm, you that there's mm. it's changing. In, in Switzerland, there's a lot of racism. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's maybe not outspoken like in other parts, mm -hmm. like in the U.S., for example, mm. but it's there. And mm. there's also like a genuine fear of immigrants. Yeah, it's, 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 that's politics also. You know, it's politics. And uh, in South Africa, the xenophobia is a result of that, yeah. where politicians basically tell the poor, you are poor because there are too many mm. Africans from all over the place taking your jobs and whatnot, which is a bloody lie. The the European parties, the so-called uh, the right yeah. or the extreme right, they are basically racist outfit, and uh, they, they they capture the imagination of poor white people in Europe, Switzerland, and everywhere. People who are struggling. And they start thinking that it's because, uh, you know, you, there are too many people from Africa and other places doing this and the other. So if you have a, a politics of division and not politics of humanity, that's what happens. Mm. And that's how I see, you know, uh, Europe uh, descending into fascism, yeah. you know, unless they watch because the history repeats itself. Yeah. Um, they, uh, there are places where people are getting killed and you know beaten up and so forth, and that that trend is because I think the capitalist system, even in Europe and other places, can't deal with all the crisis. So, like here, people still they do all manner of things. But they get protection by basically saying, uh, this thief is ours. This thief comes from our own community. This thief, uh, we have to protect, you know, this particular thief. So the politics of division, whether you're talking of ethnicity, race, gender, generation, region, religion, uh, clan, and class, if you have that, these are serious political destructions that uh, harm people because people are convinced uh, that their material interests uh, are what they are because God has decided that yeah. this, this should be the case. And so the religious message in this country is very destructive and when it, it joins the political messaging, it's, it's, a, it's a cocaine that is given to the people, you know, uh, opium, uh, yeah. you know, throughout the, the week. And it becomes a disease. Even when I'm talking to my own relatives about <clears throat> getting out of this politics of ethnicity, they still have their own ethnic baron who they think that if he comes to power or if she comes to power, then our problems in Kitui will be solved. Which is, which is a, you know, a total lie. Yes. Because all these barons form a class, you know, of elites. And they get on very well. They, you know, they have a consensus. And they move out and they divide, you know, they divide people. So what I was saying about political parties, 
I always give the example of the the greens in uh, in Europe. Yeah. Uh, when they started, their message was laughed at. It was on the margins. It moved. Now they are they in some places they are sharing power, and uh, in other places they are the majority and so forth. I tell the young people the, the same thing. That the alternative political message has to grow. Uh, because you're fighting against people who are geniuses in dividing people. Yeah. So politics of humanity, which basically will entail uh, equitable distribution of resources, uh, education, health, housing, jobs, as being public goods, uh, that will ensure that people have their human dignity and so forth. There are issues about resources. Yeah. Uh, because if you borrow, as we did, uh, I don't know, two uh, billions of shillings in terms of euro bond, and some people steal almost 80% of it, how how can we develop? Now, at the moment, you might have read about the the dams yes. that were supposed to be built. They were not built. Yeah. Um, great impunity. Uh, because if, if 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 that money is given to build dams, so why didn't those who gave the money have the responsibility and the morality of making sure uh, that the dams are built? It's the same thing with the Chinese. You know, once they bribe our own people, um, that's it. You know, they've got the contract. They do it. Sometimes it's not even done properly. So this this is the still my notion of of the uh, solidarity among peoples of the world because the Chinese should hold their governments accountable for the way they are treating Africans. You know, you know the great racists. You know they work with the dictators, and uh, we incur these debts which we shouldn't pay because they. The normally is bribes and so forth. So, so, so if the Americans themselves can start thinking, you know, of the the rest of the world and uh, hold their multinationals accountable, hold their politicians accountable about relationships with other nations, eh? You know, the way they did uh, during the Vietnam War, the Americans themselves became part of the anti-Vietnam War resistance. Yeah. Um, and there are many examples of, of, of that, that if you oppress other people, you also oppress your own people. Um, but <laughs> the world has changed. They don't have to send troops. Yes. They'll use drones. Which has been... Pretty detrimental for yeah, yeah. the U.S. image yeah. are, are around the world, but yeah. also for the places where they yeah. operate. Yeah. So, so, so the that's why I emphasize non-militaristic, non-violent, peaceful, uh, just, equitable, and prosperous. Uh, because I don't see that happening as long as uh, uh, wars are taking place everywhere. People are threatened. If there is a leader who is doing right something right by his own people or her people, they get killed. Um, 
um, you taught they are taught a lesson that you know you you cannot you know resist you know these forces and the people like the americans who i i i find uh, by and large very uninformed and <laughs> and, and very ignorant um have to to wake up and hold the you know you know the 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 country uh, accountable because this notion of oh we are going out there the way the british used to tell their people we're going to civilize um, these natives in africa uh they need to be christians they they are barbarians therefore they need to be, this is this is what god has told us to do and in the process they steal our lands they kill our people you know and they dominate us for you know 70 years they haven't left um so it's it's, it's the the global citizens will have to look at this issue and the way to look up uh, uh, look at it is already happening when you find the zapatistas and the another some other people where they there are no elections i think it's also in mexico where they have taken up a town where they they say uh, yeah, yeah. elections yeah, don't yeah. matter yeah, yeah, yeah. and we're not going to have them it's a fraud. but also really mm-hmm. like small localized yeah situation. small localized yeah. you know but they are beacons for yeah. uh, citizens uh, and that's why when i get a chance i'll go and see what happens in those places because these are movements uh, and outcomes of people who basically see that there's something wrong and they want to solve things their own way they might be weaknesses and so forth but finding out what what is happening for me is very 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 exciting i wanted to bring up uh, mm-hmm. two points that seem relevant one mm-hmm. is that uh, mm-hmm. like you mentioned a lot of mm-hmm. these changes are going to happen because of society yeah i think that the generation that is now mm-hmm. going into mm-hmm. positions of power either yep. in the government or in the private sector mm. the millennials mm-hmm. they seem to be really socially conscious uh they are mindful about uh the environment about others uh, mm-hmm. and they're trying to be a bit more like a unitary force instead of like dividing yeah i has has I'm familiar with this phenomenon in mm-hmm. other countries but how has it manifested here in in Africa is it similar or in um, in in my experience uh, about Kenya is is that when you look at uh, the generations behind my generation uh, there is a lot of um, of course the dissolution uh, dissolution uh what's the word they are, uh, i'm not pronouncing the word for um they are disillusioned yes uh and there is also um the false hope that they can become billionaires and millionaires that's why you find a lot of young people engage in betting um which which is is, is crazy other distractions like football supporting foreign teams and so <laughs> forth and when the teams lose their fight and you know and stuff like that um so when i was talking about divisions i should have mentioned the premier league and the european leagues because people which is really people, big here i was really surprised yeah. that everyone is informed about what's going on in the premier yeah, league yeah and if you ask them to tell you the 
the the names of the national team they won't, won't <laughs> tell you so it's the media and uh, so and it's it's a very interesting uh, political destruction because you 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 start worrying about football yeah and the clubs so it's like yeah it's like an opium you're taking it and it makes you forget it's like alcohol and uh, a lot of stuff a lot of shit is going on that you know um uh, should should be changed. So my view with the young people, and I work with the artist movement, for example, and other uh, human rights movements, is that the youth is not homogeneous. Uh, but there are young people who, as you have said, who are talking about transformation. They're talking about alternative uh, political, you know, leadership. And they are starting. They are starting debates of uh, what I call issues, and that's that's very good, even if um, that's not the ma the major narrative. But it's very good that it's it's uh, it's happening, um, and that's that bit about this. Uh, you know, the conscious. You know, uh, 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 classes that might come into power is exactly what I was talking about. Because if the vision remains the way it is now, the world will not change. Because the leaders will come in, uh, they, the young people uh, will become rulers in America and Britain, and they think that dominating the rest of the world is, how, is, is in their interest. Yes. Um, so... It's it's a uh, you know it's it's really a tough call, but uh, I I don't see the world exploding or imploding. I think the world will change. So you're optimistic. Yeah, I I see probably in America uh, uh, another cycle of uh, civil rights movement because that the gains they had were wiped out. You know, serious clawbacks. Um, so out of the the economic and the financial meltdown, okay, and the fact that uh, you see movements like Black Black Lives Matter, yes. you know, extrajudicial killings, um, uh, the anti-Trump movement. I I was in the U.S. when Trump became president, and uh, uh, I saw a lot of the demonstrations were demonstrations of young people. Yeah. Who could say you were, they were multinational? They all colors, but young people. Yeah. Um, so, and uh, you, 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 some people have been elected in America who are talking about socialism. Yeah, that's uh, openly remarkable. It's very remarkable. Yeah. Um, uh, so there are narratives from the margins, you know that. And those were like the narratives that I was mm. kind of mm. alluding to. I yeah. think that. Mm. This is happening mm -hmm. in Europe, in America, in mm. other places. But I was wondering if that is what is happening here. In yeah, it 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 is. In fact, Kenya has had a history of uh, very vibrant, you know, social movements, mm. and after a while, they come together, and the changes happen. It happened in 1997. When um, we were fed up with uh, the Moy dictatorship, 
and by two, 2002 you know he was out of power because the constitution was changed so that he couldn't run for office again um so the critical thing is uh, what I've observed in Kenya is, as, as you said, there will be movements all over because of the grievances, you know, in various areas. And uh, the important thing is to bring them to go- together on a, a common platform. Yes. Like in the case of Kenya, you can have a, a national coalition, anti-corruption coalition, which will be supported by Everyone. a lot of people <laughs> in this country. Well, except those in power. Yeah, <laughs> and once you have that as a movement, that's how po- there should be. It uh, should emerge out of that coalition a leadership that can contest for political power because corruption will not will never end until you have leaders who are incorruptible and who are patriotic and want to change things. Uh, but in the case of Kenya, a lot of what happens is that. There are all these movements, you know, and once they come together, they hand over uh, their movements to uh, the ethnic groups and other people. And uh, that's what has to be sorted out so that they are not appendages of uh, partisan political parties, but they have their own parties that will push uh, transformation forward. You also mentioned something mm. uh, about your work with artists. Yeah. And I was wondering, uh, what's your view on... I, I love movies, but mm. I recently mm. saw a movie that I, I thought it was... Mm. It had some transformative effect to it, and that's mm. a Black Panther. Yeah. I saw... Mm. I've been a fan of comics, so I was really familiar with it, but I was really surprised how it was embraced, like, almost globally. Uh, it empowered a lot of people. It showed them what was possible. Mm. And it imagined a reality of this pocket of people who were not uh, under any colonial, colonial right. ruso, mm-hmm. uh, rule. Mm-hmm. And I've seen a lot of uh, really good mm-hmm. uh, things stemming from this. Mm-hmm. Is that also your your take of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, uh, in, in, in Kenya, the, the arts artist movement actually is now the new frontier for human rights and change. Now, these are people who write songs, the people who sing, uh, and the, the social justice message or the social democratic message is coming through these songs about you know corruption, about inequality, about poverty, and it's young people who, who have grown in the slum areas who are Part of this, then you have the cartoonists, you know, then you have the poets, you have the graffiti artists, um, and the worlds, uh, the filmmakers. Mm. There are quite a number of, you know, young filmmakers in Kenya. Um, it's a woman called Wanuri who has come up with a, a, a film called Rafiki that has won a lot of awards. I was just basically talking about uh, tolerating, you know, uh, gay people. Mm. Yeah, in a very uh, liberal and uh, but persuasive way. Yeah. Of of basically uh, projecting the message that you know uh, these are not 
these people have a human dignity. They shouldn't be killed, they shouldn't be discriminated, they shouldn't be jailed, they shouldn't be subjected to humiliation. Uh, families should treat them with dignity and so forth. And bringing in a lot of education about uh, the biases and, you know, and, and, and so forth. And these are young, you know, young people who are, who are doing this. And uh, the messages are getting in. But again, I go back to uh, my uh, favorite story. How do these movements, the artist movement, human rights movements, the movement called uh, Decolonize, which is against the investments in coal plants in Kenya. Yeah. Uh, young people also saying that save Lamu. Um, uh, and apparently Kitui is, 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 is supposed to have a, you know, uh, they're, they're supposed to dig coal there, but we are involved in movements against it. And a lot of these movements are young people who have done a lot of reading, uh, who are very persuasive. But I keep on telling them, you, your message will never get anywhere until a lot of you start running for political office as members of uh, county assemblies. You change uh, these messages from the grassroots uh, right up to the, you know, to to to, to, the, to the the nation, and you should be in a hurry because it's a lot of work. Yeah. Plan on the basis of ten to twenty years, and and it 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 will happen. Um, so so they, you know, I've always thought that whenever there are crises, uh, there are also great opportunities for change. It's true. The, you know, because like the issue of corruption here. They have, they have called it the war against corruption, which is not really a, a war against corruption. It's, uh, it's about intra-elite struggles about succession in 2022. So it's basically, you can call it a palace coup. Mm. That's what it is about. So the movements are now talking about the people's war you know, uh, against corruption. And that they are saying, they are looking at the root cause of corruption. So the leaders are part of it. They are part of, of, of the enemy and whatnot. And so that messaging, once you do get a, an embryonic political party that is able to organize around it and build on the basis of a decade and whatnot, the message of dividing people weaken. And uh, that's the only thing that will save the world. If there's an alternative uh, political leadership in Mexico, you know, in um, Colombia, in uh, Egypt and other places, the leaders will have to come together in the UN or somewhere and basically say, you know, we've, we've got the world needs to change. Yes. Um, but that is my... Dream that's you know this <laughs> that's that's because I don't believe that we are going to allow the the planet you know to explode and implode um, and that militarism violence uh, is, is is not acceptable 
So it's going to be resisted by not only who receive the people who receive the violence, but even the citizens themselves. Uh, because there's a lot of violence in America yes. in, on, a, on a daily basis. So, yes. so before they go bombing people using drones, they have to deal with the internal issue where, where because of institutionalized racism, uh, people are violent. And, yes. uh, people get killed and um, so those are the crises I'm talking about, whether they are economic, social, cultural, political, they give us a great opportunity of a counter-narrative about transformation. And that's why there is the, I say, um, and I tell the young people here, because sometimes they talk about revolution, they talk about socialism, they talk about, you know, stuff that they have read. Uh, but Leadership is about getting people to, to move with you. And the only way Kenyans can be moved is on the basis of the constitution that they passed, which basically gives them human dignity, the right to food, right to education, health. And once people, once people start raising those issues... Then you are talking about uh, politics of, of, of humanity. Yes. And already we are seeing some counties like a county called Makweni, uh, which borders Kitui, yes. where there has been a lot of progress because the governor doesn't steal. You know, they have all manner of factories there and so forth. So it's there are beacons also. Um, so it's, 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 it's basically... Um, that, I think, will be the situation in East Africa, you know, and the rest of Africa, where I visited, where people realize that change must come. Uh, but then, that's why I em emphasize peaceful and non-violent. Yes. Because if it's violent, it goes on and it's on. A and it's a, Yeah, and, and the resources are destroyed, yes. you know. Mm, people... Uh, people's lives are lost and invariably the military comes in and says, you know, these civilians are this and the other and then you start all over again. Yes. Um, so, and the wars of course destroy yes. uh, a lot of property. In, in 2008 when we had um, post-election violence uh, they, we lost 1,333 people who were killed in the, in the ethnic violence, the post-election violence that happened. Um, over uh, 500 women were raped. Property worth billions, you know, was, was destroyed. And it just took a month. Imagine if that went on for for six months. Yes. The destruction be. Will, will be uh, unimaginable. And then that's when you get into what you might call class war. You know, where they, you know, because I saw it. I saw it when you find the, the, the poor coming out of their uh, ghettos and, and, and going and marching on the 
you know, the, the, the rich suburbs. That's when it happens. Yes. Um, and it sometimes becomes very difficult to stop. That's true. And that's why I think the best way to avoid that is to have this counter-narrative, you know, political parties and social movements that are saying, we've got to be peaceful. Let's have dialogues. This is what we don't want. We're ready to, to offer, you know, alternative, you know, political leadership. And uh, this goes on the way we have to learn from the churches and, you know, other religions. They repeat their messages every day. It's true. Yeah, in the mosques, in the shrines, in the temples, in the churches and so forth. So we, we, we just have to save the, the globe. That's, that's <laughs> my view. Well, and what makes me happy in this country is that uh, I go and meet young people like Job, you know, uh, and others who uh, you can see their thinking is similar to the radical thinking of the 70s, our thinking. So as you grow older, you feel very happy that, uh, you know, it's like you have reproduced yourself. There are yeah. people who are talking about these issues who are young. I think that maybe mm -hmm. this was also like the environment where you mm -hmm. grew up. Yeah. And it's now also the environment that the new young mm -hmm. generation mm -hmm. is growing up with. Mm -hmm. So it's similar motivation, similar way yeah. of thinking. Yeah, and basically knowing that the status quo... Can this, continue. Yeah, this idea of either stealing or not working hard mm, and uh, not uh, being um, a great human being in terms of uh, resisting uh, dehumanization in whatever form, injustice in whatever form, um, and even poverty, yes, which uh, we witness every day. So if that, if you get uh, young people who have a conscience uh, and they, they swear that this has to change, this has to be mitigated, then the politics changes. And when it changes at the national level, you find leaders who are telling the Chinese, IMF and World Bank, we've got to negotiate uh, on the basis of our own interests. Yes. And that message is, um, uh, becomes also the continent's message. And another continent, another continent. Those are billions of, of, of uh, people talking about the welfare of the people. And uh, the Europeans and the Americans will also start pushing because there are inequalities there. That's true. <laughs> yeah, in America. Yeah. So, 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 um, I, 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 I think that uh, what we have to look at are the opportunities for change. A lot of people just criticize. A lot of people. Uh, find it easy to say, oh, you know, we uh, will never change. Uh, that's intellectually lazy in my view, yes. you know. You have to look for uh, these spaces where somebody can go and become a member of the county assembly. And even if it's one, they start saying corruption is bad. We have to give people water, you know, so that in a place like Mwingi, uh, it's a it's a it's a dry place. 
We were there like uh, this weekend. It's yeah. really dry and really mm. hot. Yeah, dry and hot. But <laughs> the interesting thing is that there's a lot of water underground. Yes. Okay, there is. It's a, lo a lot of water underground. And uh, it's just a, a question of having a county government that uh, invests in boreholes so that people don't have to walk to walk a mile to you know to get water and the rich people have boreholes yes so the government could you know could could do that with the resources they have but um, you know our governor um, charity ngilo is a known thief so we don't expect anything from her. She, at the national level she was minister of health minister of land minister of water and she messed up. Uh, so even this core business in Kituya, I'm sure it's her and the Chinese. <laughs> yeah. So it's 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 uh, you know it's 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 hard work, but uh, a human rights activists, and that's what I've been for quite a long time. We are like religious people. We live on hope. But, uh, I mean, you, you not only on hope, you did a lot of work yourself, and I think that now you are focusing on mm. passing your message to yes. younger generations, yes. which I, mm -hmm. I, I've witnessed myself, mm -hmm. uh, like you said, like when, when I spoke to Job and mm -hmm. others. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's really, I think that's a really good positive uh, outcome, and uh, I think on that positive note, it's <laughs> good uh, to end. And thank you for this yeah, really thank you, thank insightful you. conversation. Yeah, and thank you for, you know, the great questions. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. And thank you for the global solidarity and uh, sharing, uh, you know, your experiences in Mexico. The global solidarity we are talking about is about that, you know. I, people, I feel yeah. Kenyan yeah. because of my family. But yeah. I... I also feel like a global citizen. Yeah, you are because you, you know, you born in Mexico, married a Kenyan girl, and you live in the city, yes. <laughs> which is, which is, which is. Uh, I think that that's, that's now the norm in the world. I'm it's not a an norm. exception. It's, it's, the, it's, it's the norm, and this is this is that uh, reminds me here of the mount ethnic marriages that are talk, taking place among young people. So they they are not going to start thinking about which community you come from and so forth. They have, they have to think about the nation, which is a, a bigger entity uh, than this, uh, you know, backward politics of uh, barons. And, yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Yeah. Willie. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah.